I am Theodora, and you are listening to Spiritual Slut. Here, I riff about all things spirituality, love, sex, and relationships from my perspective as a millennial woman and former award-winning adult performer, as well as a spirituality nerd. <laughs> I share with you all the tools, modalities, and manifestation techniques I have tried and tested for myself and my experience with these. And it's often juicy as fuck. <laughs> Spiritual Slut Welcome to my world Hello sweetness and welcome back to another episode of the show I am your host Theodora Today I'm gonna talk to you about what I call my Shiro's journey aka how I am becoming the muse because I want to say I became but <laughs> it's a never-ending process right so my Shiro's journey is part spiritual awakening part understanding the energetics of love and understanding my own version of femininity and polarity in the context of relationships and you know all in all I feel like the meat of my spiritual awakening has happened through love and kind of was triggered by love and by a certain soul connection that you've heard about on the show from the beginning. And so here I want to dive deeper into the details of of all the phases I went through and my takeaways so far. I would say I kind of wanted to subtitle this episode what I've learned from two years of deep healing, but really it's not just healing, it's so much more than that. It's, as I said, an ongoing process of becoming the muse, I guess, is the right way to put it. So as I was saying, I want you to walk away with these three key bullet points, I'd say. So what is exactly a spiritual not a spiritual awakening. Let's call this a process of spiritual elevation, right? It sounds so much nicer. Like, ah, uh, spiritual. I have my spiritual awakening. Like, this is so <laughs> basic bitch to me. But I feel like the process of spiritual elevation is something that sounds more accurate in the sense that it's an ongoing process and it never stops, you know? Because the awakening is like, <laughs> it's just the first phase, babe. So I don't want us to limit our views to just this. The other bullet point is the energetics of love. And again, that's as an experimenter, it's something that I will <laughs> talk about in great depth, hopefully over the course of the show, as I learn, because I'm still learning, just like we all are. And... The last bullet point I would say is what the fuck is polarity and what the fuck is femininity, right? Because it's one thing to be a female performer of the year blah blah blue, but does that make you really in your feminine essence? Does that really teach you about feminine polarity in the context of a romantic relationship, for instance? So allow me to develop these three key takeaways for you. 
All right. So first and foremost, the reason why I'm not talking about spiritual awakening, but rather spiritual elevation is because I see this happening in the so-called spiritual community. People are like, oh, I got my spiritual awakening. And it's like you have the awakened people and the asleep people. And I, I really don't like this duality. Like we're all playing the same game. You know, ultimately, we're all spiritually elevating wherever you're starting from. It doesn't make you less than if you don't feel like you've quote unquote awakened. So, you know, I feel like let's stop pretending we're cooler than thou kind of thing and just call this a spiritual elevation. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to call it from now. So another thing that I would add is that spiritual elevation is a process. Whereas it feels like when people talk about spiritual awakening, it's just like an event, you know, oh, you awaken. And so elevation is a process, just like your, let's say your fitness journey or your maybe health or wellness journey is also a process. You don't just wake up one day and become fit or become healthy. Like, oh, I have abs popping up this morning and I'm healthy and I'm good, you know, no work to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of you in the audience, a lot of you listening right now, you have some sort of journey of bettering yourself at something, whether it be your health, your wellness, your fitness, as I just said, or whatever that may be. And you know, it's a process and spirituality is no different, I feel. So just like, you know, you have to start somewhere and you have to maintain it. And it's a process. It's just exactly the same for spirituality. Right. So let's keep using this um, fitness metaphor because it's been my experience. I am someone who has been through quite a fitness journey and quite a health journey. So I can speak to that. And for me, it was like it took me many years to see results because it took me some time to implement things and see what worked, what didn't, and to be consistent with some practices, with some modalities, because, you know, sometimes you will try something, you will kind of vibe with it for a while, and then you will give up because the vibe has changed or you're just not vibing so much with it. So, you know, you have to kind of find something that works for you. And that, my friends, takes time. <laughs> it takes consistency. And so... It's exactly the same for spirituality, you know, just because you meditate every morning doesn't make you more spiritual than your brother <laughs> or your neighbor. It's a process of trying and testing things that work for you, see where that gets you, if it gets you results. And, you know, if you're vibing with it, great. If you're not, then adjust and most importantly, maintain what works. And I want to say alignment in all sorts of processes, alignment in all um, areas of life, be it fitness, be it spirituality, be it, I don't know, maybe your mental health as well. Alignment is, again, something that you maintain. It's not something you find once and for all. And again, just like your body might change because you're a woman and maybe your hormones or maybe you became a mother or maybe whatever, your body is going to change and thus your body's needs are going to change. So maybe what worked for you for a while and what was aligned for you back then will not be working for you the next season of your life. And it's exactly the same for spirituality. And I discovered it on the terrain, right? That some of the things that I was doing for myself were working just fine for a while. And then I had to try new tools, try new modalities, maybe adjust my um, spiritual regimen if there's such a thing. So again, 
maintenance is key. So maybe this is just your permission slip to be kind to yourself if you feel like it's not working. Patience, baby, <laughs> is the key to Another thing I want to speak to is how, first of all, the spiritual awakening, which starts the process of spiritual elevation, is not really something that is triggered, but rather something that is blooming. I see it this way. Maybe for some people, it's more like it's sprouting, right? But for me, it was more like a blooming process. And I feel like for most people anyways... It works like for plants, we need some sort of a fertile ground for the root to take and for, you know, the sprout to see the light or for the flower to bloom in this case. And so my point is that you will never get to your mediumship and your intuitive gifts and, you know, your clairsentience, clairaudience, clairvoyance and all the clairs until you've taken care of the soil like don't expect to become a medium <laughs> like waking up one day with mediumship gifts if you have like a shitty spiritual hygiene and you have never meditated and you have never um evolved in relationships before and i don't know maybe for you that's you've never been to therapy whatever the case may be it just doesn't happen this way if the soil is not fertile. It's just not going to happen. So this is why I want you to consider it as more of a blooming process that requires some fertile ground, fertile terrain first for something to grow out of it. So for me, my version of a fertile ground, a fertile terrain was... That first, I come from a family of psychic mediums, aka my mom is a psychic medium, which means I know about Buddhism, I know how to question my beliefs, I'm familiar with meditation, I have been familiar with meditation since a young age, even though it took me a while to actually implement meditation into my non-negotiable daily practices. And secondly, because I was a child artist, which I talk about in previous episodes, I was a professional athlete. And so I had to take care of my body and learn about fitness, wellness, health. And I'm from a generation of dancers that never really learned what true vibrant health was. So we kind of were pushing our bodies until until failure, really. So my awakening in terms of health and fitness journey was quite a rude awakening, if I may say so myself. So I guess that triggered the will to research better ways to take care of my body. And, you know, just the fact that I was invested in researching and invested in the quest of bettering myself starting with my body, I guess that made me more prone to bettering myself in other areas of my life, namely spirituality. But to carry on with this story about my physical health and wellness journey, as I was saying, the generation of dancers that I come from, we were pushing ourselves really, really far because we wanted a certain physique, we wanted a certain we wanted to achieve certain things, but not necessarily while respecting the natural body's ability. And to make it clear, it's that we would kind of push ourselves and have like very basic nutrition knowledge. It was really about get your proteins, get your chicken or your canned sardines so that you get your fats and your 
pertains and you're good to go, you know. And so at some point, I mean, it will get you so far until you're 16, you're 18 and you're good. And then at 22, 23 years old, you start to have joint pain and the likes and you see that something is not quite right. <laughs> and so that's when you start learning about vitamins and supplements and what kind of smoothies you can make for yourself to optimize your health and maybe the collagen supplements and whatever the fuck. You get into more advanced nutrition and you start studying keto diet and then you get on a keto diet and then you you get the um, what did I get was it like the Fitbit was my first um, device to measure and track my calories um, output and my energetic output and then I got a more advanced watch and whatever this is not a sponsored <laughs> advertisement by any means all of this to say, it got pretty intense. I mean, on the health and wellness and I should say fitness department for myself, it got pretty intense and I really pushed myself even more because I was seeing results and I was like, oh, I'm getting muscle mass. So let's <laughs> push ourselves further, right? So, I mean, you can do your best and try to be healthy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the right way. And... I guess the self-love and giving myself some grace elements were not there yet. <laughs> they were not quite there yet. So it took me a few kidney failures and a few bad accidents to actually find out what healing physically uh, was, what healing on a physical level could look like for me. And so when I kind of found some sort of homeostasis in terms of my physical health, because my health was not a concern anymore, and that's very recent for me, it's it's a matter of a couple of years, maybe three years at most, because my body, I mean, I still, of course, I take care of my body, of course, I have this maintenance thing going on, right, as I mentioned earlier, but what I want to say is that it's not something that I do because it's an emergency need, right, it's not an urgent need anymore, it's just a matter of maintenance it's not about fixing anymore. It's about maintaining. And because I can maintain a pretty decent physical health, I can kind of touch. It's like I'm peeling the layers of the so-called spiritual onion. Like I got the physical sorted out. So now I can maybe touch the, my mental health, my psychological health and if you know me, I'm pretty stable psychologically. At least I have this going on for myself. I mean, I know a lot of people have some sort of mental health journey. And I mean, mind you, we can have it all. And the bulk of my self-work was on my physical health and wellness. And when that was taken care of, and because my mental health was quite stable, then I suppose the next thing to work on would be my spiritual wellness and alignment. And so this is how I kind of saw the blooming of my spirituality, of my spiritual elevation process that I'm talking about today on this episode. It took me a lot of work to take care of the terrain first so that my spirituality could bloom on a, let's say, a fertile soil or at least a clean soil to bloom on. And note to self, it makes a lot of sense that finally, after taking good care of myself, I would be able to take care of my dream relationship that I'm manifesting because like first things first, right? They say it on the plane. They tell you, you have to put on your mask first before you can help others. 
And I mean, I have so much to say about masks on the face, but my point being, it's just common sense that you have to take care of your own energy first. You have to take care of your own spiritual needs first before creating something outside of you and maybe seeking something that happens not only inside of you, but also outside, aka a relationship, because spoiler alert, <laughs> relationship usually requires two participants. And the only thing that you have control over is your side of the street, which leads me to part two. You are responsible for your energy. And I mean, is there any better motivation and better incentive to take care of your own energy than knowing that the only thing you can do to manifest your dream relationship is to actually take care of your side of the street? Because I know <laughs> no matter how much you wish you could influence your significant other to do the work to work on themselves to i don't know maybe you know meditate more see a therapist do this or that and work on themselves because they have work to do and they're not doing the things you wish they were doing right as much as you wish this to happen it just doesn't work this way you can only control your side of the street and so if you feel like they don't make an effort they don't understand you the only thing you can do is to focus on you boo <laughs> so what i learned the hard way or not so hard way but learned nonetheless is that you know when you're triggered this is a pointer to freedom and when i was triggered and i still get triggered don't worry it still happens a lot when I get triggered, I know that there's an invitation for me to clean up my side of the street even more and to dig deeper and see what's hidden under the rug, what has been brushed under the carpet that I was not tending to until now. So I suppose... Spiritual elevation is not, oh, my third eye is so open, I get downloads every day, although that's cool too. But the most important part of being spiritual is seeing your triggers and choosing to honor them and follow the invitation behind them instead of putting them under the rug and be like, I'm fine, it's their fault, you know. Spiritual elevation is the willingness to look at your shadows and tend to these shadows. And also, spiritual elevation, not just shadow work, because I feel like I'm talking to you about shadow work. Shadow work is looking at the shadows for sure. But then the elevation is that not only you tended to the shadows, but you are able to reframe things and tell yourself or ask yourself what would be a more empowering view of this? What would be a more empowering belief on this subject? How can I assume the best of the other person <laughs> and also of myself and then live up to this best version of myself? Which leads us to more empowering questions such as what would my highest self do right now? What would my highest self feel right now? And I have tons of questions, empowering questions and reframes like this on my recording. So you can find these on my website, which I will link in the show notes as per usual. All of this to say that spiritual elevation is about elevating your perspective on what you're experiencing not just staying the nose down on the floor or I don't have a better image for this, but you have to 
raise your perspective. And this is something only you can do. And the reason why this is so important in the process of manifesting your dream relationship, which is what I'm really getting at <laughs> in this episode, I always say that the vibe is everything and truly take care of your vibration. I can't repeat this enough. And if you clean your side of the street, if you elevate your perspective, if you get to a state of clarity, of peace within yourself, then guess what you're going to attract? exactly that you are going to manifest exactly that in your relationship be it a relationship that you're creating or a relationship that you're attracting this is what you're going to manifest and so what old school love coaches or so-called love coaches are getting wrong is that they're teaching women young women namely my generation that it's like actions first and that you're good right nothing about energy But we know by now that it's energy first and then the universe arranges and rearranges around that energy for the things to happen in the physical, right? So what I would say is this, when it comes to relationships, no matter the actions that you take for something to happen in your relationship, if the energy behind it is not there, it's never going to work. In other words you know, the kind of manipulation techniques that you would see in like feminist books or even like books for men, because I've read some books for men because I was curious to have that perspective. And they would say, or the authors would write something in the likes of, oh, you have to be, um, to make yourself desirable by appearing more distant, more self-sufficient, blah, blah, blah. Like you have to appear a certain way and therefore you have to act a certain way so that you appear a certain way and they don't tell you that you actually have to vibrate at this frequency to actually attract that because here's the thing we're changing paradigms we're evolving we are more and more conscious that we don't just exist on the 3d level we also exist on other dimensions namely 5d and so on and so forth so of course it's not going to work anymore all these tactics these manipulative tactics i want to say and so yeah in my opinion these pseudo relationship teachers from my generation they're getting it wrong all wrong actually because it's not gonna work so i want to share a few examples of my personal life because i've certainly not fallen victim to these bad pieces of advice But I've heard a fair share of very bad advice and I still have acquaintances and even some people in my circle of friends who sometimes give me some shitty advice really because they don't know about energy and they would say something like, oh, you have to wait before you text back. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> If I'm not in a desperate energy, you bet I'm going to respond and I'm not going to be desperate and I'm not going to be needy and my energy is going to be grounded and solid and I'm going to attract something that is exactly that, grounded and solid, right? So for those of you who have been following the podcast for a while, <laughs> you've heard about my love story that is still unfolding with my current significant other, as I like to call him. And we've had our seasons of connection and of disconnection. And of course, when we switch from a season to another, there's like a 
transition period, let's say, with its fair share of challenges and triggers. And of course, because I know about energy and because I work on my energy, I can tell you the difference between how I'm behaving now and my energy behind my actions right now versus my energy back then when I met him before I did any sort of spiritual work or energy work really and my actions back then were not they were not embodied I feel is the right way to say it and so for instance I would talk to my girlfriends about what was going on and this and that and if you know Imani Jen by now <laughs> give me some advice tell me how it's done and I'm gonna show you another way that's just how I am. I don't like advice. I just do things my way. And I guess this is why I have a podcast, you guys. <laughs> so here's the thing. I would tell my story, my love story, and it's unfolding to my girlfriends. And sometimes, not sometimes, I would all the time receive unsolicited advice. That's just how human nature is, I feel. <laughs> unsolicited advice left and right. And so some of the advice would be, oh, don't respond right now or say this so that you appear this and that, you know, like the 3D manipulation, um, manipulative tactics that I was mentioning earlier. And so I was like, mm, nope, <laughs> not doing that. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I like. And we'll see where that gets us. And of course, it's one thing to do whatever the fuck you like and being embodied in your actions. And it's another thing to act from a healed and safe place, right? So you can be embodied in your actions, but also have some pretty deep wounds. And <laughs> boy, did I have some. For instance, there is this warped belief in like feminine circles that you should not, um, like you should be chased. Basically, you should not do the chasing. You should make yourself be desired. And so you have to be artificially distanced so that the person chases you. And I never bought into that. Like, I mean, of course, I know that men would chase me if they're interested. That has been my experience. And I'm confident that will happen. But also, I want to say that there are nuances to the shit, people. Like, <laughs> some of us have a mental health journey that they're going through some of us have like very strong masculine energy versus feminine energy or the other way around what i mean is that some people are very i guess yin versus yang or the other way no matter your gender right and there could be fluidity right there. It could be a temporary thing. Sometimes we have our seasons of being more yin or more yang, or we have areas of life, right? It's fluid to me. So this is why I say there are nuances to this shit. But also there's such a thing as a desirable dynamic, a desirable polarity, feminine versus masculine polarity to have in your relationship to to experience within the context of your relationship. Of course, there's something that is more desirable for sure. But I also want to say that just because something is desirable doesn't mean that it's the only way to be and that there can be any nuances to that. And so what I'm trying to say here is that it's not going to be perfect. No relationship is perfect. Unlike Instagram would have you believe no relationship is like perfectly balanced, like the woman in her feminine polarity. And then the man is a hundred percent in his masculine polarity and this and that. And I mean, <laughs> ideally in a perfect world, 
this would be hashtag done for all of us, right? In a perfect world, but it's not a perfect world. We are all a work in progress. And this is how we have this podcast in the first place, <laughs> because it's a process to, I mean, for us women to become the muse, because I can only speak from my feminine perspective. It's a process. It's definitely a process. I feel like I have still some work to do, but I also feel like I've done so much already that I can share with you all. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the younger me, the younger, my younger self would have loved to have had access to this information. For instance, I wish I knew back then about soul wounds and how it can block your energy from flowing and block you from manifesting your relationship since we are not perfect, right? Let me tell you about my biggest soul wound that I talked about on previous episodes, but just as a reminder, call it my feminine ego, call it my wound of shame, or I guess we would say humiliation wound in spiritual uh, speak. <laughs> And this wound would, first of all, stop me from speaking my truth, but also clearly block the relationship and the connection from happening. For instance, earlier in my relationship, I would refrain from texting or sending like, I don't know, thirst traps or the kind of thing that you're advised to send as a woman, like send a picture of your boobs, right? I would be like, <laughs> never sending this. It was a process learning to actually do it. But it took me this relationship to understand that it was okay to do that because With this wound of shame, I feel like I was afraid to be seen as needy, which I kind of was, to be honest, but I was afraid of being seen as that. But anyways, my energy would speak before I did. And I guess I was still repelling with my energy. I was not doing things the right way because we all know that our energy speaks before we do. And so even though I was not making the 3D concrete actions like initiate a conversation or texting first even though I was not doing this my energy was the energy of someone who wanted to do this but who was wounded and therefore could not act in a coherent way with her energy and surely I was giving off the wrong vibe and side note me and my significant other are both psychic mediums we are both energy readers so <laughs> can you imagine the confusion on both ends This goes to show you that when you're acting from a wounded place, or in this case, not acting at all, not making the call, not sending the text, not taking action, you're just left to your own devices of your silence and your energy. Because even if you don't act, your energy will speak before you do. And so even though maybe I was sometimes too ashamed to reach out and to make the first move that the bold woman in me wanted to make. Again, as I said, you can still be in your feminine while doing that. But when you're wounded, when you're in your wound of shame, like I was, then the only thing that was speaking for me was my energy. And I guess when you have this energy of waiting for the person or waiting for not being abandoned, you manifest exactly that. You manifest more waiting more waiting time, more abandonment, even though that's the very thing you're trying to avoid, but uh, likes attract likes, right? So a huge chunk of my Shiro's journey was healing my wound so I could start embodying that fucking muse, <laughs> right? Who the fuck is she? Well, let me tell you, hopefully a healed version of herself. 
and a fully expressed version of herself and uncensored unapologetic and that only comes with a lot of healing a lot of shadow work a lot of i'd say a lot of education around energy and how it's energy first and also how polarity works and how attraction works I would say attraction, not only in the sense of the law of attraction, blah, 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 but also attraction between the polarities. And so I'm sure a lot of you have heard about attachment theory, how anxious attachment versus avoidant attachment have like a dance together. They tend to attract each other, which in spiritual terms would be more like a chaser would attract a runner and so on and so forth. And what I'm trying to say here is that no matter the behavior and your actions, if you're trying to behave like you're not a chaser and that you're you know, grounded in your energy and you're not in this toxic pattern anymore, well, guess what? If your energy is one of the chaser, hi, that's me. <laughs> well, no matter what you do or don't do, your energy is your energy, right? And so because there's this element of attraction and polarity between the chaser and the runner or the avoidant and the anxious, then you're still going to repel the runner or the avoidant, whatever that is. <laughs> Runners are just going to run because it's energy, baby. And so to my whole point, it's about your vibe. Your vibe is everything. Your energy is everything. When I say energy is your vibe, right? So no matter what you think you're doing right, it was never about what you do. It's about who you be. I guess all the best energy teachers will tell this to you. It's not about what you do. It's who you be. What vibration do you carry? You know, and this is why it's important to do the shadow work. By shadow work, I mean looking at the shit under the rug and looking at the shadows and then working on it and clearing that stuff so that not only your vibration is super clean, but also so that you can act freely and in a way that matches your vibration and so when we say this person is acting in alignment really that's what we mean by that this person is acting in a way that matches their vibe right so no matter how hard you try not to act like a chaser and to repress you know these tendencies that you have these emotions that you're feeling well guess what all of this will remain very palpable to the person on the receiving end of your actions. I guess it's the same when you listen to an artist singing and it's coming from a singer, so I know what I'm talking about. So when you listen to a song and you pay attention to the vocals and more specifically to the interpretation of the singer, you can tell if they're really living the song they're performing or not. If they're not truly feeling the song or feeling the feelings of the song, well, you can tell, right? If they're not into it, if they're not feeling it, it sounds so fake. It's like it's not good performance. You can tell like it's energy first, it's emotions first, because emotions are energy in motion. We've heard that phrase over and over again, but that's just the truth. And so I know that you do want to perform to the best of your ability in your romantic life, right? You want to perform as the best lover you can be. You want to appear as the best lover you can be. But let me tell you, everything that you do in order to appear a certain way 
all these tactics, these strategies to get your significant other to respond to you in a certain way, all of this really are just excuses and ways to spare you from doing the inner work. I'm going to keep saying this over and over again, but this is what I noticed. And once you understand the power of the inner work and the deeper work, then your actions will be a natural consequence of your vibration and there will be no need for you to seek to manipulate or appear a certain way. It's not like you don't care how you appear or how you perform. You know, we've read that on social media and on the Instagrams time and time again, like, oh, when you're really confident, you don't care what other people think of you. It's not really exactly that. It's that when you've done the deeper work, how you appear is how you are. You appear confident because you are. It's not that you appear confident because you don't care. Nothing to do with that. It's because you did the inner work. And this is the missing piece, I feel, that really needs to be addressed and needs to be integrated. At least this is my message for you as much as it would have been the message for my younger self, you know. Of course, I mean, I was a professional performer for most of my adult life and even as my child life, I would say. So as a performer and as a professional one, I know one thing or two about appearing a certain way to a public. And of course, it has me formatted in a certain way. You know, I, of course, in my personal life as well, I would carry the same belief that I would have to appear a certain way and therefore that I was expected to perform a certain way. But let me tell you, there will come a time when you will be fed up of performing. And this is, again, what you see all over the Instagrams that stop people pleasing, blah, 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 main character, energy and this and that and really what it all means. <laughs> and this is what I mean by becoming the muse is that when you inspire people, really, it's because you're just being true to yourself. You're acting in alignment with your value because you've done the deeper work and your inner vibration, your inner strength, stability, emotional stability, that is, and maybe spiritual stability. You're very grounded. So what's the need? You know, there's no need to perform. Everyone is actually looking to embody that. And so... This is why sometimes, I mean, I guess my generation, meaning you guys listening to the show, the millennials, the Gen Zers specifically, we know when we receive a text from someone, the person doesn't have to text us like 25 times a day if their energy is desperate or needy or I don't know, sticky in a way, you're going to feel that no matter how little they text you. And no matter how hard they repress their urges to text you, it just feels like it repels you, right? You felt that. We've all felt that. And it's the same for someone who's avoidance. No matter how often they text you back and how hard they try to, you know, do the actions and be present, you're going to feel that they're distant or that they're not connected. This is something that you can sense. This is something that we all 
are in touch with and that we all are going to be more and more in touch with as the time passes, I believe, because I it is my conviction that with this age of Aquarius, we are going to be so aware of energy and how it works. And hopefully we are going to become more congruent with our energy and our actions so that it matches because I also feel and this is a big part of my message with this episode all these tactics that we were fed with all these books these self-development books these relationship coaches I want to say these 3D relationship coaches all these things that we used to subscribe to were band-aids to spare us from doing the work as I said earlier I kind of feel like it's the low vibration kind of use of makeup on a woman's face. You know, when a woman doesn't feel pretty or beautiful, she would use makeup in a low vibrational way to cover up the blemishes and mask her true appearance. When really she could use this tool that makeup is in a high vibration way, like to create more beauty, to enhance her beautiful eyes that she loves. See the difference here? So I feel like all these 3D um, relationship tools that we use to subscribe to are like low vibrational tools to <laughs> really avoid doing the deeper work and to stay with the makeup metaphor. You would rather take care of your diet, of your skin in a very intelligent way, in a very nourishing way, so that you don't have to conceal the pimples and stuff. You would take care of the issues at the root, right? Instead of just putting concealer on it. And really, that's what these modalities are to me. And coming back to my initial metaphor of the health and fitness journey... When you take such good care of your body, of your skin, this is when you can inspire people in your journey because you kind of nailed the good skin because your diet is clean. You did the deeper work. And let me tell you, doing the energy work, the shadow work, the emotional work, the psychological, spiritual work, however you want to call this, is going to do the same for your relationship, right? It's not going to be a relationship that looks good on the Instagrams and on the surface. It's also going to be a relationship that feels good on the inside because you've done the deeper work. You have cleared the deeper stuff, you know, underneath the carpet, as I like to say. And so when I say that you can become the muse and inspire, really the most important person to inspire in that case is your significant other, right? And so I'm sure that you have inspiring relationships all around you. At least I hope you do. And if you don't have this in real life, hopefully you have some inspirational figures on the aforementioned Instagrams like I do. I have couples that I follow for hashtag couple goals, right? So if you follow them, you will notice and you will maybe intuitively know that they don't go like, or at least the woman doesn't go like, Darling, you should listen to this podcast or read this book. You should do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's not how it works, right? What they do do, however, is that they take their own advice. They do the deeper work. They go first. They be the muse and they inspire their men to entrain to their frequency, I guess is the right way to put it. 
because you cannot really influence someone to do something. This would be a manipulation, but rather you can inspire someone to rise up to your levels, rise up to your standards that you hold for yourself. So that's being the muse in yours truly's opinion. And speaking of yours truly's opinion, I do have a very strong and I guess unpopular to an extent opinion about marriage that I feel really cool to share on this episode. And I say unpopular because I've never heard anyone say it this way. So I guess misunderstood <laughs> would be probably a better choice of words. I have a lot of friends who have been married or are currently married and they all say the same stuff. Uh, I mean, you have to consider that they are older people, like they, <laughs> they're like a few years older than me, maybe in their 40s or late 30s for most of them. And they will all tell me the same thing, like, oh, Theodora, you know, getting married doesn't change anything just because you're married doesn't mean that you're gonna uh, feel more secure, blah, blah, blah. I mean, duh, it's energy first. What did they expect, you know? So because I'm younger, I kind of shut up and I <laughs> I don't say what, I, what I'm thinking because it's not my place to correct them. And also I'm not a projector in human design, so I'm not gonna give unsolicited advice. That's not my job. However, it's my job to speak about it on my own podcast and my own show, right? So that's exactly what I'm gonna do. My view is that since it's energy first, I feel like this society has conditioned us to desire things that are 3D materializations and 3D um, actualizations of things that have been born in the energetic realm. It's energy first. So you want the final physical manifestation, but really what you're after is the energy behind it. To clarify, if you're after the marriage, you're not really after being married and the status and maybe the ring, the dress, the celebration. These are just fancy things. We all know that. But the, all of that, still, the lived experience of that is a physical manifestation of something that has taken root in the energy field. And so the energy you are after is actually the energy of a solid I believe that's what you're after. Actually, that's what I am after. What I'm after is a relationship that is born out of a desire to honor a deep connection to a being that I'm deeply in love with, a being that I deeply love and that I deeply respect. And I am ready to develop a relationship with that person and to be the highest version of me so that I can rise up to the challenges that I will face in the relationship because of our differences, because of what life will throw at us, because of, you know, just the pain that we have to go through sometimes as we heal and evolve. That's part of the game. And yeah, I guess I'm after honoring a connection and I'm after a relationship so solid and so mutual like there's no questioning the commitment between the two protagonists of the relationship because the will to honor the connection is there on both ends and is so deep and profound that there's no questioning it so that the fact that we marry each other is just an evidence it just comes as 
like the cherry on the cake or the icing on the cake but really the cake is the relationship the cake is being there for each other no matter if these are happy times or sad times to be there for each other no matter what no matter what life throws at us no matter the challenges you know i think the phrase is through thick and thin right so This is what I'm after, the energy of this. And so when I'm solid in my commitment, when I'm solid within myself and that I know that I also got my own back so that I can show up as my best and highest self in the relationship, then being married is just, you know, a logical last step to validate what foundational energy already exists first, you know, in the more subtle dimensions. And so I feel like most people of my generation and before that, they thought they were after getting married because it was going to provide them with a deeper connection. They thought it was going to provide them with emotional stability. They thought it was going to provide them with commitment. They believed it was going to give them the security they craved. So no matter the physical contract you signed with someone and no matter how many carrots you're wearing on your left finger, it's not going to provide you that because as I said, it's energy first, baby. And so diamonds are cool, but have you tried emotional intelligence and most importantly, doing the inner work? Because that's where it's at not against the carrots and anything but it's a very empty thing to own if there's no energetic reason behind this physical manifestation if it's not the natural consequence of the deep work that you've done on yourself in service of the relationship and in service to the connection woo <laughs> i feel like this was a bit intense But yeah, I say pretty much all I wanted to say about becoming the muse in the sense of inspiring your significant other or partner to grow. And I've mentioned the work that I've been doing in previous episodes and how you manifest your dream partner by becoming just that, becoming the dream partner. And certainly this is something that I'm still and will always be working on all of my life. Because again, it's a process. Growth is a process. Spiritual elevation is a process, just like fitness, right? Let's just call this spiritual fitness and relationship fitness, which is something I'm very committed to work on for the rest of my life, because this is an area of my life that I feel is the most important. And I'm very committed to manifesting and maintaining my dream relationship. And I know that, as I said, it's not what I do, it's who I be. Now, finally, <laughs> the last chapter of this episode, which is femininity. And as you can imagine, I just have so much to say about this as a very quote-unquote feminine performer in the sense that I was a stripper, a ballerina, a dancer, an erotic model, a nude model, amongst other things. So circling back to what I said earlier about performing something versus embodying it, I feel like I spent a good chunk of my adult life performing femininity, not just confidence, as previously mentioned, but, you know, being in my feminine, being a woman. I was 
asked and paid to perform a certain vision and a certain image of femininity, which was not necessarily what I was meant to embody at a soul level. And so really, it's been quite the journey to learn to reconnect to my own femininity, my own flavor of femininity, if you will. And I have to thank <laughs> my current significant other for this, because when you have such a deep connection with someone that makes you work on how you want to you know, be, as opposed to what you want to do and perform... I questioned who I was in terms of my femininity. Like, what is my flavor of femininity? Who am I as a female being? Like, I know how I would express myself in creative ways, for sure. I'm very self-expressed. I feel like this was one of my biggest gifts, you know, expressing myself sensually, erotically, using my body. I'm just good with that. It's a natural talent. However... I feel like I have been a lot of a shapeshifter, so to speak. And so just because I was able to be a shapeshifter and was able to perform didn't mean that I actually at a soul level desired to be all of the roles that I was performing. You know, I mean, as much as I love role play, I, after all, I won awards for my performances. As much as I love playing roles... It's like I had to find a balance between performing and participating in a role play that I like and that I find is a turn on, an actual turn on for me, you know, as opposed to being a people pleaser and neglecting my own desires and boundaries to please the other person and to appear a certain way and perform a certain way, doing versus being. And I want to say that my journey, I was quite lucky to be on this end of the <laughs> expressivity spectrum where I had outlets for my erotic expression. You know, as a stripper, I could be creative on stage. I could be creative in the private shows, obviously. I could be creative as, a, as an erotic performer on my videos. So I had an outlet for this. I didn't necessarily need to implement that in my <laughs> private life, if it makes sense. But I get how not so many of you, it's possible that you are absolutely on the other end of the spectrum and you don't really have a creative outlet for this. So I guess this is a permission slip for you to experiment, not only in the context of, I don't know, your sexual encounters and your <laughs> sex life, but also, I mean, yes, your sex life, but also with yourself, you know, maybe you can stage yourself, film yourself, have like a pole bar in your living room and practice your sensuality and just have fun with yourself because you know what it's your body it's your life it's your energy you better enjoy it girl <laughs> i mean nothing wrong with that and i know that a lot of quote-unquote sex workers and professional pole artists like i was they say oh we don't like gentrification of the pole dancing like civilians are doing pole dance in their living room and they don't know that it's like sex work but actually you know what if it helps women to connect with their femininity, then why not? You know, <laughs> again, it all depends on the consciousness you use that not modality, but that art of pole dancing or whatever that is. You know, maybe it's just filming yourself in sexy lingerie or staging photo shoots for just yourself, you know, whatever that is. Have fun, play, experiment with your femininity, with your sensuality, with your erotic expression. 
And if you have a hard time with that, let me help you. I have <laughs> plenty of affirmations and meditations and high vibe audios, as I like to call them. Namely, my last two high vibe audios for femininity and to help you reconnect with your sensuality, your erotic expression. That's actually the title of one of these audios, erotic expression. And the other one is feminine frequency. And I would say if you do this work of reconnecting to your femininity combined with the deeper work that I have mentioned previously in this episode, I feel like this is how you become the muse. This is how you become more of the woman you were meant to be. So let me share with you an excerpt of the first meditation and first high vibe audio that I mentioned. It's called erotic expression. Here it is. I get to love my body. I get to express myself with it. Isn't that magical to be a woman? So this was an excerpt of erotic expression, which is like... A very sultry, as you noticed, audio, high vibe audio to help you reconnect with your eroticism. I will link it in the show notes as per usual. And I also wanted to share with you an excerpt of another high vibe audio, which is called Feminine Frequency. It's more of a rapid, really efficient, short and straight to the point affirmation high vibe audio to help you get back in touch with your feminine frequency and go into receptivity mode, right? Like I'm in flow, I receive all of these things. Again, it's called feminine frequency. Here it is. I choose to believe that I am meant for ease in all areas of my life as a feminine being. I choose to believe that I am meant for receptivity always. All right, so I will also link this one in the show notes for you to get your hands, or should I say your ears on. All right, my loves, I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you enjoyed my stories, my point of view, my musings on all things relationships, energetics, love, spirituality, and what's not. So I look forward to see you in the next episode. I am so grateful for your positive reviews on all your listening platforms. I enjoy reading them. It really helps the show grow. And I love when you share excerpts on your Instagram stories. I see them all. It will be my pleasure to share them when you do this with this episode as well. And as usual, I look forward to see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Thank you.